Hello, we are not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. Greetings, streaming things. This is me, Dr. Bridges. You may recognize me from my starring roles as the doctor who tortures children to have psychic abilities. I'm here to tell you that the boys, Chris, Steve, and Andy, recorded this episode some time before the Oscars. But because their audio file received a wound, a terrible wound, it made them have to put it up a little later than they intended. But please enjoy this episode, or I'll torture you and make you have psychic abilities. Like 11. How do I turn this thing up? Welcome back, dear listeners. My name is Chris. My name is Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things Binge and Nerd, coming hot off uh, another unplanned hiatus. Uh, but Steve had some work to do. He traveled to Chicago. I did. For, Mr. Uh, Windy City himself. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mr. Windy City. That's what they called him in high school. Yeah, they did. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> it was weird. I don't know why. I'm I've like, never been to Chicago. Guys, this is Goshen. <laughs> you farted in gym class once, and it's just all over. I was, I, I was ruined. My prospects for girls in high school was ruined that day. <laughs> but you had a trifecta of a job to go do. You were first AD, uh, Ronin operator. Yeah. And uh, fluffer. So yeah, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Basically a glorified <laughs> fluffer. Yeah. <laughs> so he's back from his shoot. We had to take a little break. He said Andy and I were welcome to an episode without him, but um, we, we couldn't said, do that to you folks. Ah. Yeah, right. <laughs> you were the heart of the show, yeah. Stephen. Without, without Stu, we are nothing. Oh, you guys. <laughs> so if you've never listened to the show before, we dive into our favorite film and TV properties. Uh, sometimes we do whole seasons of television shows and dissect them to, to great detail. And sometimes we don't really plan it out a whole lot. And we just talk about mm. fucking Justice League accidentally. And, uh, you know, that one just happened. It happens to everybody. I mean, <laughs> everyone's got a Justice League in their closet. <laughs> uh, so for this episode, we get kind of a mixed bag. Uh, we're going to do a new segment called Check the Gate, where we discuss some film and television news. Um, try that on for size. See how the listeners feel about that. And uh, we're going to talk about Altered Carbon on Netflix, because that's what we meant to do prior to Steve's departure. Uh, we know a lot less about it now than we did then. But we're going to make an effort <laughs> to talk about some things we like there. And then, you know, things we've been streaming and uh, maybe talk a little bit about the Oscars coming up this weekend and uh, things like that. So enjoy. And if you have never listened to the show before, you probably have not smashed that subscribe button yet. But Smash it. Mm, you should crush do it. it. Well, be careful if you have an Android. Uh, those are very sensitive All devices. Those, those will explode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but still smash as much as you can. And be sure to leave a review uh, and a rating on iTunes for Streaming Things Mention Nerd. We would really appreciate that so that others can find us. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for all the people that have gone to idagaff.com, which is an episode, uh, I'm sorry, website we have not updated in quite a long time. Mm. But there's a little PayPal link at the top of the, the front page there um, that looks really sketchy, but it's real. But some of you. <laughs> it's totally real. <laughs> some of you pay to hear us talk on that. And I really, 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 really appreciate that. I can't say that enough. You guys are the best. I ran out of breath, but there was more reallys I wanted to put in there. I wake up in the morning and think of the people who have given us money. And I think they're good people. Mm-hmm. No. Them good people. First thought before yeah. he pees or anything. 
And I'm like, them good people. And then I start peeing. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> they really are. I'm going to think about them some more. It's dude, not in a weird, not in a weird way. In a really grateful way. Yeah. Uh, so let's start off with some check the gate. Uh, so we're going to try this some film and TV news. Um, I did find out, this is what made me, these two things are what made me want to uh, invent this segment. Um, Tarantino's, what is it, ninth film? Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, it's going to be called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Have you guys heard about this? Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? <laughs> no. Uh, it's going to come out in it, August yeah. of 2019, uh, tangentially surrounding uh, the murder of Sharon Tate and Charles Manson, mm. those kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, but it actually is starring officially Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Ooh, sure. mm -hmm. got a boner. That's a good cast and right there. They're going to be interacting quite a bit. I think um, DiCaprio plays like a Western star, uh, oh, cool. some like offbeat late sixties television show Western. I didn't know they announced the roles. That's mm -hmm. awesome. I forget the names. I'm not even going to look them up because I'm a terrible newscaster. But uh, <laughs> and then Brad Pitt plays his stunt double. Oh, awesome. So they hang out and um, they don't look anything alike. I know. No, they don't. Just two handsome guys. Um, We're going to shoot Brad Pitt from behind. Yeah. So you never see his face, which is his best angle. That's true. And then DiCaprio, uh, his character lives right next door to Sharon Tate, I guess is how that's involved. Oh, OK. I was just about to ask. Mm -hmm. So Tarantino is really excited about it because he grew up in Hollywood Um and nobody, you know, has done a movie about late 60s L.A. in like two minutes. So, <laughs> I'm, I mean, Tarantino's going to kill it. I think it's awesome. It's his passion. He loves that fucking city for whatever reason. And I'm stoked to see those two actors interact. Dude, I'm just the casting alone is like, the, there's no way I'm going to miss that. We got fucking Calvin Candy and Aldo Rain on sharing the screen. You know, that's going to be amazing. Um, I uh, had not heard about the uh, release date either. Um have have you heard about the uh, potential of him doing a uh, Star, Star Trek? Trek? Yeah, I have. I'm and wondering that's if that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of, but I'm I would totally see it. Yeah, I, 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 I that would probably be the coolest Star Trek ever. Now, isn't Tarantino? He's he he has come out and said that he only wants to make ten films, and then he's done. He has said right. that. So, and this is his ninth one, the one with Leo. Mm -hmm. Right. So, would the tenth one be his Star Trek movie if he were to make that? I suppose. There's I mean, no fucking way he would do that. I was gonna, I was gonna say like that would be a weird one. Like I'm going out on a franchise. He, he might just pull uh, Daniel Day Lewis and go make shoes for a couple of years, and then come back. You, you know what, guys? I, I take that back. I, I, I got a few more things up. <laughs> or he sleeve. might say it doesn't count, <laughs> this like is, the way he did with you know. Um, Dust Till Dawn and all that shit. I don't think those are included in his uh, nine. That's true. I guess he only wants to direct 10, but he can write however the f many he wants. Tarantino's 9.8th film. <laughs> I would... <laughs> don't I, think about it too much. As much as I would love to see a rated R track, um, I don't think that's what he should be doing with his time. He has such a unique vision and voice. Um, he should just focus on weird shit that Tarantino does. Yeah. I was rewatching 
both volumes of Kill Bill. But that's for a different segment. I mean, I, if he did a, if he did his own Star Trek, I would I'd be interested in seeing all the alien feet that we see. Oh so, yeah, because yeah. all the close-ups of alien feet. <laughs> um, I've always so, yeah. wondered what Brad Pitt's feet look like, and I'm about to find You're out. You're about to find out, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I believe. Yeah, supposed to slated to be released in August of 2019. So very nice. excited for that. Awesome. And I thought we might take a few minutes and talk about Kevin Smith and the tragic thing that happened to him yeah. this past week. Um, woke up to the Facebook post. Actually brought me to tears where Kevin essentially, so he had a heart attack, a massive mm-hmm. heart attack. It was some kind of clogged artery referred to as the Widowmaker. Uh, LAD artery, yeah. apparently. So he canceled his second show, went to the hospital, um, and then when he woke up, wrote this uh, Facebook post about how mortality has been the thing that he's feared most in life, and uh, having almost died, he obviously would prefer to live and loves his family, but was struck by the notion that he's lived such a good life that he's Mm. content with whatever happens and being someone that also fears mortality to a great degree. I think that that was very heartwarming for Mm. me to read. I did not have the kind of life that Kevin Smith has had. I totally disagree, but (laughs) (laughs) Oh, please God. No. Yeah. No. Uh, when I, uh, woke up that morning, got on the news, first thing I see is, uh, Kevin Smith heart attack. My stomach fucking sunk. Uh, for the listeners that don't know, he's my hero. He's uh, the reason that I aspire to be a filmmaker. Uh, some of his movies are my favorite of all time. Um, it was, uh, I was devastated for about 15 seconds until I clicked the headline and saw that he was still alive and he was okay. Um, he did a uh, Facebook Live a couple days ago. It was like the day after his heart attack or whatever. And it brought me to tears too. Um, he he kind of was... Uh, Reiterating the sentiments that he had already uh, said in his uh, Twitter and Instagram posts. But uh, one thing that he said was, and I thought was really beautiful, he said that this crazy, amazing life that he's lived, if the ferryman comes, how can I not pay him? You know, and I mm-hmm. thought that that was just beautiful. Uh, the dude has such a way with words, and <laughs> just uh, the fucking drop of a hat, he uh, just writes poetry, you know what I mean? And his way with profanity is bar none to anybody. He's, uh, He's a brilliant man. Um, I sent him a, uh, a tweet, and I basically said, "Dude, like, dude, you're my idol. Thanks for sticking around. Like, you, he means a lot to me." Chris actually took us to meet him one time um, during the uh, Yoga Hosers tour. Not his best movie, if I'm being real, but <laughs> the opportunity to get to shake his hand was, uh, you know, uh, one of my uh, favorite moments in my life. Yeah, he was really know? cool. A lot of guys, when you finally meet him, they're like, eh. But he takes <laughs> he takes so much time with each fan that the venue runners are always like, okay, Kev, uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. That speaks a lot to uh, him as a person because you know most you know a person of celebrity if they were to suffer a heart attack or something like that, you know they would you know write up a, a release and like you know take time and kind of live their private life. But Kevin Smith is like, well, I got this Facebook Live thing on my phone. I'm gonna you know make a direct message to yeah. his fans and that that says a lot about who he is as a person that he wants to have that relationship I with think people. that's like the best and darkest thing about him yeah um, it, absolutely having watched him for i don't know 20 something mm-hmm. years now i think and he will be the first to say it he's a he's a he's a press whore um is <laughs> it has an issue with attention and um it's funny that he cast himself as the quiet person and he's such a verbose individual in real life um Referring he, to Silent he Bob, of course. Planned to be Randall when he wrote Clerks, right. but yeah, he ended up going with Silent Bob. Uh, 
it was funny though in the Facebook live video and, and it's one of the most endearing things about him is like how he like makes his life in public and stuff and so it's like he's sitting there in the hospital he's wearing like his robe telling stories about like trying to hide his dick and stuff and like he turns the camera <laughs> over at his wife who's like sitting there in the room and obviously she's like in this horrible place right now. I mean, well, I, I actually probably in a great place now that he's alive, but just suffered a very traumatic experience of almost losing her husband. And he's like giggling, pointing the camera at her and she's hiding her face and stuff. I just love that about him. He's, yeah. he's the sweetest dude in the world. So thank you for being alive, Kevin Smith. Uh, <laughs> We're looking forward to Jane Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, man. Um, just, I don't know. The guy's meant a lot to me. He's actually the reason Andy and I podcast. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Kevin Smith's a huge podcaster since before it was a thing. And he's always encouraging everybody to go try their own. And we did it, I think, after one of our times that we saw his meet and greets. Mm -hmm. So, any hoozle, that's it for The Gate. Unless anybody else has got some, like, film and TV news. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I could lump this in with this. Uh, Westworld Season 2 will debut on April the 22nd. And we've been talking a oh, lot man. of shit about our Westworld season one rewatch coverage. Uh, we watch. <laughs> we're doing a we watch. So uh, <laughs> hey. uh, we're going to start that very soon. So if you're a fan of Westworld or especially if you're not tune into streaming things, binge and nerd, we're going to be revisiting season one, dissecting and doing balls deep coverage for which we are notorious. And then we're going to be doing balls deep coverage for season two. When yeah, it hits. exactly. Keep it. It's a good couple months of Westworld from streaming things. Did you know that there are robots in Westworld? <laughs> <laughs> That's our balls deep coverage. Oh my God. I really, Second time I, around. I have to rewatch it now. I miss that. <laughs> Second time around. There's robots. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't pick up on that on the first time. <laughs> so let's move into uh, Altered Carbon and then we'll do some uh, more things we've been streaming. Quiet on set. This podcast has been formatted to fit your ear holes. So Altered Carbon. Um... We'll do some overall thoughts, followed quickly by major spoilers. Steve, what did you think about Altered Carbon, just in general? In general, I thought Altered Carbon was a very good show, a mm -hmm. very good start. Visually impressive. You can definitely tell they spent a lot of money on this bad boy. It's hyper-violent, but it works with the story that they're telling. Mm. Uh, had an interesting cast of characters. It, it was definitely not afraid to go places that you weren't expecting. Um, but ultimately, I feel like it is hampered from being an, um, like a perfect, you know, you know, example of what Netflix can do simply because I feel like the final episode, maybe the final two episodes, I feel like it falls apart hmm. um, under the stress of its own. And, uh, ambitions um, not to the point where I, th I hate the show I, I mean I definitely like I said I love it and I want to see them make more of it but I do feel like this season is hampered by the final two episodes but that's just me um, mm. what did you guys think I would love to talk more about that momentarily Andy let's just go to your overall thoughts um, I love the shit out of it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, it is occasionally excessive, but it, uh, excess can be an art form. And mm -hmm. I think that uh, the show uh, deals deftly with it. Um, I think that uh, it has some of the most interesting acting that I've seen in a TV show in a long time, specifically from uh, one actor who plays multiple characters in the same body. Cool stuff. Um, I did not have a problem with the uh, last couple episodes. I thought that they were great. 
Uh, I did have a problem with like this one episode that kind of focused on flashback more than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. Some people are saying, man, fucking the beginning's slow as fuck, but goddamn does it ramp up towards the end. And other people are saying, man, it sags in the middle, but the beginning and the end are fucking solid. And other people are like, oh, dude, it's all a climb until the fucking end. And then it just drops off. Everybody has these varying opinions on it. It's really divisive in the way that people um, argue about the uh, consistency of the quality of it. But I, th- I thought that overall the quality was fantastic. Um, like like Steve mentioned, it is a uh, extremely good looking show. The production bu- budget bugget was uh, <laughs> I, 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 I read a rumor online that was like 150 million dollars. That might be hyperbole, but it's definitely up there. Isn't it the most expensive Netflix <clears throat> property? I don't that think done? that they ever release actual numbers for okay. what their production it looks like. Are. It. I mean, yeah, yeah. the money's on the screen, as mm-hmm. they say. Yeah, that movie. Like, ev- how many episodes of it? Nine. Nine or ten episodes? Uh, ten, I think. Ten, all ten episodes look like a Blade Runner mm-hmm. yeah. film. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it's, it's like Blade Runner meets Chinatown. It's fucking brilliant. I, I thought it was excellent. Um, it there. I think that it had a lot of op- missed opportunities as far as like thematically things that they could have discussed felt more philosophically. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, this is just season one. There's a lot of room for that. This is a very vast and interesting world, and I'm excited to see what they could potentially do with it. What do you think, Chris? Um, I I see. I, I, this show came out of nowhere for me. I didn't. I hadn't read much. Of, I may have been very busy with my day job. Maybe that's what it is. But I don't. Uh, I've been reading a lot of my film critics and stuff that I follow news. But I didn't. Hadn't heard of it. Uh, you know, I noticed that Netflix was really pushing it for the first week or two prior to its release. Like they had that banner, like play trailer. You know, how Netflix will do that from time to time. Mm-hmm. And if you're like me, you're like, no. <laughs> Don't tell me how to live my life, yeah, Netflix. motherfucker. I'm just going to rewatch The Office. And Looks like I'm turning on Hulu. Right <laughs> <laughs> you just pissed me off for the last time. I'm going to actually go outside. Never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I only watched it because you guys had already seen the first few episodes, and we talked about it on one episode of this podcast. Um, I didn't even like the font. You know, it just didn't sound like anything I was interested in. And this thing blew my mind. I was obsessed with it. I've been very busy and I binged this thing in three or four days, which I no longer have that kind of time, but I apparently do. If I, if where there's a will, there's a way. I, it just looked gorgeous and I, I'm stunned at the writing. It could have easily been so corny um, and just overwrought and it, it didn't feel like that way at all. And it's got some really difficult concepts mm-hmm. as far as the world building are concerned uh, to follow. It could have easily been a mess and yet it just kind of organically makes sense after a few episodes if you're willing to try at all. Mm-hmm. And I agree with Andy that there could have been a lot more philosophical explorations but it almost doesn't have to because if you spend more than a second thinking about the implications of the technology uh, it that in itself just asks all kinds of questions. It's yeah, you kind of those, get there on your own. Yeah. Because there could be no soul mm-hmm. if you can imbue someone's personality and consciousness via this stack in mm-hmm. someone's yeah. brainstem. So, so if you're listening and you haven't actually seen it and we haven't gotten the spoilers yet, essentially it's this world where y- your your soul essentially is collected into this little kind of microchippy thing that's inserted into everyone's vertebrate at birth. Mm-hmm. And if your body dies, they can just take that thing out and slide it into another body and you're still alive. So mm-hmm. if you're rich enough in this world you can essentially like pay to have clones of your same body right or you can purchase a better looking one and you can continue living for forever as long as that little stack thing in your neck isn't destroyed you're you can be alive they even put like criminals and digital 
like prisons are like digital. They just put mm-hmm. your stack, they put them on ice. They put them on ice as it were. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that whole notion is just anti soul, you know, to, to have your consciousness. Oh, absolutely. Um, so it has a lot of religious implications just by virtue of the whole premise. Yeah. Uh, and they talk about that a, a bit, like your yeah. religious coding and the refusal mm-hmm. to be, um, what's it called? Uh, spun up, not spun, yeah, spun yeah. up or resleeved or whatever. Uh, anyway, I love the lingo. I thought the world building was fantastic. Um, the choreography, the fight choreography was great. Um, Joel Kinnaman was kind of weak in that sense. I felt uh, I was much more intrigued by Byron Mann, uh, the original Asian uh, Kovacs. A- Asian Kovacs. I just thought that was badass. I mean, his fight choreography was amazing. He was a really um, charismatic actor that wasn't given quite enough screen time for mm-hmm. me. Um, but anyway, I mean, Joel Kinnaman had this like simmering quality. I just felt like I was much more interested in the actual Takeshi. Uh, but yeah, I just love the fucking show. I, I don't know how I feel about the ending. Uh, we can talk about that here in a second. I do feel like they kind of tied it up in too neat of a bow for me. Um but I'm kind of leaning towards the middle of you two. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that it was the finale the show deserved, but I don't think it was a complete failure either. And I would love to talk more about that and kind of form my own opinion based on your guys' discussion. Uh, but I do want to say that there's an emotional core to Altered Carbon as well. I mean, I believe I cried a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't expect that or need that. I mean, there's some, it's fucking, it's a sexy show. Like just, I love ultra violence if done properly. Such Mm -hmm. a Tarantino fan. And it was definitely done well. Um, I love sex. You know, that was integrated. Well, uh, I had, there was one podcast where the guy accused it of pornographic sex scenes. And I just super disagree. Um, What's interesting about that is that, uh, based by virtue of the concept of resleeving, um, it becomes, a an art form of objectivity. Like when the human body is an accessory to digital Mm -hmm. consciousness, how can you not treat objectivity um, or objectification of the human body in that way? Sure. That that, that is literally just an outfit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is literally like, what am I going to wear today? You know what I mean? Only what you're wearing is who you're wearing. And that's fucking brilliant. I, I love the idea of that. <laughs> literally who are you wearing <laughs> at the Oscars? Yeah. That'd be awkward. Right? Uh, literally Brad Pitt. <laughs> everybody just shows up as Brad Pitt. It's, just like, it's this guy it. from 300 years ago. It's like South Park when everyone showed up as Chewbacca on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. it's retro. Uh, so let's move into spoilers for altered carbon. Fuck it. If you have not seen altered carbon, a, what are you doing with your life? B fuck right off. You are entering spoiler territory. You're bullshit. Hey, welcome back. Hey, <laughs> everyone who viewed been, and or does not care about Altered Carbon. You've been spun up in the new spoiler body. Ooh. Oh, you're looking great in that spoiler sleeve. <laughs> spoiler sleeve. Mm. Uh, commencing. So, Steve, uh, what didn't you like about the finale? See, here's the thing. Here's so, the thing. You, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said you thought that it was spun up with two knights and neat of a bow. Mm-hmm. Um, but my main problem with it, okay, so right off the gate, big spoiler is pretty much the big bad of the entire show is Takeshi Kovacs's estranged sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Raylene? Raylene. Raylene. Um, I felt like that actress was definitely the weakest act- actor in the entire by far. run by a significant margin. She mm-hmm. shows up like seven episodes in, so mm-hmm. she's not even in it that much. Yeah, she just ends some of the flashbacks. Yeah, she, she just kind of shows up, and she's you think she's on her side, and then all of a sudden she's bad. And she's not even just bad. She's like 300 years of evil, which is fine sure. in the context of the show. Like, 
Takashi's been in on ice for uh-huh. what, like 200, 300 years or something. Right. So he still has the same moral equivalency that he had when we, when he, when they separated, but she's had like lifetimes to become this evil kind of person who has like a crazy violent sex ring in the clouds. Um, but they kept having, I felt like there were scenes upon scenes upon scenes of her going like, you love me. You love me. You won't kill me because mm-hmm. you love me. Yeah. You love me because we're we're siblings. But you, you love me. You, you ever loved me. their sister or brother that much? You know. <laughs> and like I understand, like the first time it happened, I'm like, okay, yeah. Right. Well, they. But, but then he beats her up, and then the second time, <laughs> you love me. You won't kill me, and then he beats her up. Bet you won't do it again. Bet you won't do it again. And then, and I'm like, okay, this is the dumbest villain. <laughs> That's one of the uh, philosophical things that I felt like that he could have dealt with a little bit better. Um, her motivation was very lacking in, yes. in uh, especially the, well, I should say, shouldn't just say especially the latter episodes because the latter episodes are the only ones that she's in. Mm-hmm. But um, I love the idea of dealing with the concept of obsession over an infinite lifespan. Yeah. Now, her lifespan has not been infinite. I think it was like something like 150 years or something that uh, Kovacs like had been. it was 250. Was, it, was yeah. it that long? Yeah, it was, a, it was at least 200 at least. But compared to like the actual human lifespan that is an essentially an eternity you know sure. imagine obsessing over one thing for 200 years and uh how that might toxify in your perception you know yeah. and i thought that that's something that if we had been given a little more time to deal with her motivations and the shit that she's been through and the ways that we could um look at uh the psychology of it I, I feel like she could have been a brilliant brilliant villain mm-hmm. because you know it is kind of a neat twist that the the big bad and all of it was her his sister yeah um that's uh we we did get to deal with some, uh, a good bit of psychology in it um with uh poe um the I love character by far that's my and, favorite character um, he's awesome i'm not going to remember uh her name but the uh the young girl who uh was Lizzie? Was, what was it? Lizzie? Lizzie. Lizzie, who was... Uh, Trapped having, in the digital world? Yeah, having yeah. psychosurgery, they called it, which was awesome. Um, yeah. So we got to deal with like the ways that you uh, deal with uh, an adult human consciousness in a digital world, and I thought that was brilliant. Um, but I feel like that time would have been better spent on our villain than it would on yes. this um, uh, red herring of a character, you know? I think there was a lot going on, but yes. I excused it because it was so intriguing. Like, there were maybe some poor storytelling decisions as far as trimming the fat, but I was all for it. I wanted to see as much of this world as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think that you're right that uh, Raylene, the, the, the young lady who played her, was just the weakest actress, and that's the fault, not the writing. Because it that's the whole theme of the show, uh, was that what living for that long yeah. does to human morality. Mm-hmm. You know, without fear of death, there is no reason to be moral and love your fellow human. And I feel like that story is really driven home really well with the characters of, um, Falconer, the, the Bancrofts. Oh, right. I, well, the whole map, was it meth? Yeah. Meth. Like Mephistopheles, uh, Methuselah, Methuselah. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Different character. <laughs> I, like I knew that, but I just, my Bible knowledge is just shit. Uh, I've never read that book. Uh, <laughs> is that the one with Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. The whole meth culture, like, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really, really liked the uh, the, the climactic, not climactic, but the aftermath scene um, with the Bancrofts and like the way that they're just sort of looking at each other. And it is almost like this godlike um, uh, consciousness of 
corruption and looking at each other. And he says, like, we've ruined each other, haven't yeah. we? And and it was in that moment I, I looked at his character as the type of godlike character that the uh, – what did they call him? The Shadow Walker or whatever, the guy that um, could disappear from the uh, – Police footage. What did they call him? I, I know what you're talking about. The little Asian guy. Oh, the little oh Asian yeah, guy. that like dude. The that flower guy. knife. Mm-hmm. That creepy motherfucker. Yeah, yeah that <laughs> dude was, was awesome. But he are you a believer? Are you a believer? <laughs> yeah, he, he says that they're they're all powerful and they never die. How can you not call that a god? Yeah, and I yeah. that was cool. And just the and there's that scene where he visits the the people who are suffering from some sort of radiation poisoning, where mm-hmm. like they can't physically touch people. But he goes down there and just ruins one of his many sleeves. Yeah, because ruin, mm-hmm. he can afford clones of himself, so he right. just ruins one of them just to give these people, uh, like, touch. they can touch another mm-hmm. person. Right. And th- those people see him as a god, and that feeds into his god complex. Where he's like, "I'm see, I'm great. I'm killing myself by beating mm-hmm. myself to the people." And I think that the whole show is I don't know what that accent martyrdom was. in an afternoon. <laughs> it's amazing. They're making this commentary on. Uh, human advancement and achievement and it's great that it's encapsulated by this sci-fi tech show about our technology and to be careful not to lose our humanity and sort of this um, what is it Sisyphus-esque journey that we're taking with technology you know Mm -hmm. Uh, and I love that the character of Falconer it's like episode 7 or 8 where it's revealed that her whole mission is not the emancipation of these people and like spreading this technology out but rather the elimination of this technology mm-hmm. and everybody is like that's been following her is like wait what like, yeah that was cool you're trying to uh, real death us like uh, <laughs> I love that it's called real death you know yeah. um, uh, I, and she's the one that invented that technology and she to her infinite regret and it, it was like again that's where the bows come in a little too it's like oh mm-hmm. she also had invented that for I, real I felt the same way about that twist I was like that really wasn't necessary for her to be the I honestly, I didn't like that character either. You didn't like Falconer? No. She was I mean, awesome. I like the idea of her, but I, I feel like I didn't like the casting of her. Not that that actress was necessarily bad. I just didn't feel like she was right for that role. Mm-hmm. And when she, and, th- and this is another thing I like that did, that kind of ruined the not ruined but wow Steve left a <laughs> left a left something to be desired in the final episode is when she kind of like shows up and she starts telling this story like as the satellite places falling that was strange was like, this is weird it's going on way too long well i think there it's, was a lot of editing choices in the final episode i did not i agree I was not keen to and it's really difficult to have stakes in a show like this when yeah. everyone can just get a new body mm-hmm. and i forgot that uh kovach had cloned himself and he was off somewhere fucking 10 versions of Miriam, <laughs> yeah. which is dope. And we don't know which one of those survived, I don't think. Yeah, I um, think so. No, I, I think that It they, definitely is the that, one that killed his sister, right? Yeah, like he's, it, was, okay. it was the original. Oh. But at first the ship's going down and I'm like really sad. And this monologue starts happening, you know, this narration. I'm like, oh no, he's sacrificing himself. And then like halfway to the crash, I'm like, wait, it's fine as long as Stack survives. And there's a clone. And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> not sad. I don't, maybe... Also, that story in the monologue was very long-winded, and it was kind of like, "What is the point of this?" And and you didn't get, I didn't get the point of Plus what the, she was saying until like maybe the last ten the seconds of her monologue. Were very irresponsible to let that giant prostitutional space station just fall into the city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they were really quick to be like, "Jump ship!" Not like we need to call somebody. Like, <laughs> fuck this detective and her buddy. Like, there's millions of people down there. Uh, whatever. I. uh I, I think that I really liked Joel Kinnaman's performance more than you guys did, or I, I don't know. Steve if hasn't commented on that. I liked it fine. Um, 
It was like simmering and it was fine. It, it was yeah. it was simmering. I did and really fine. enjoy the um, OG, OG Takahashi. I really I yeah, did like him I a lot. I liked both of them. Kidman no. was just too grumpy, but maybe that's like the noir throwback thing. But yeah. he's always like meh. I think nah. the only thing I ever saw him in that I didn't particularly <laughs> like him was uh, Suicide Squad. Yeah, uh, he was pretty awful in that. But how was cool, he? How, Rick Flag. Yes. Okay. How cool was it when they're uh, trying to decide which one of them gets to live? They do fucking rock paper scissors. I love again. that. <laughs> that was so. Each cool. time it was dope. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it didn't make any sense because even with all the same neurons, you wouldn't necessarily choose the same hand mm-hmm. signal first. But I just loved that idea mm-hmm. that it symbolized that we're the same person. Yeah. Uh, science corroborating that or not. But it's it's the most interesting thing about his character in particular is his version of Takashi Kovacs is actually the real body of a separate person. Mm-hmm. What's it? O'Rourke? Was that his name? Riker. 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 So it's this other police officer that and then apparently Ortega has, fell in love with him yeah. through the body looking like. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. And the reason she picked him up at the the place where he was spun up at was because she wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to fuck up that body because mm-hmm. like she needs that body yeah that's <laughs> my hot body i do what i want <laughs> but I, but it's interesting to see like if they were to make a, a second season of this how are they gonna go about What's these characters gonna look like? what i have read online is that they would be completely recasting um that he's not going to be joel kinnaman he's also not going to be og uh kovach that he's going to be a completely new person because they did bring back right. a version of uh, Takahashi for the Fight Club. Yes. So mm-hmm. they found like this, which I thought was also that was one of the ten moments. I think there was like, what are the odds of that? Mm. You know what I mean? But the guy, the Fight Club runner, he's like, I found some like retro <laughs> DNA, <laughs> and yeah, just completely cloned Takeshi's actual body. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping that he would eventually go back in that body, like clone another one or something. But that didn't happen. They fucked that body up. He's just a better (laughs) fight actor. You know, like the first opening scene, like I didn't know anything. You guys were just talking very vaguely about the show, Mm -hmm. very respectfully. I turned it on and I'm like, what the fuck? Because he can like (laughs) see through walls and he's got this like prostitute junkie girlfriend (laughs) that gets her chest blown out and he's like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) whatevs, whatevs, girl did all the dope anyway. Piss me off. (laughs) It it is a very, a very hyper violent does not pull any sort of punches show like like mm-hmm. even more so than like gunfight type stuff there's a lot of people especially when they get into the the godlike characters the ultra rich people you know they've been living a long time there's not enough that rocks their jollies also a lot of them like have to commit murder while also getting sexual gratification yeah. of it so there's some very disturbing scenes involving sex and violence and and i think that plays well into the message of like you know, this is what society would be if a lot of people yeah. live fucking forever and nothing shocked them. And anymore. I love that the show doesn't pull those punches. Like, right. let's really take this technology to the extremes. What would actual humans do with this sort of stuff? Mm-hmm. And let's be honest about it. Um, it was fucking great. And it's, it's a lot like Westworld in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, let's be real for a second. What would people do with this technology? And, and I'm not going to give it Westworld style credit as far as the writing goes Mm. Uh, but it's got its own it kind of exceeds Westworld in many ways at the same time for scope and vision and it's a very ambitious show there's so many stories and plot lines going on all at once that are interwoven with one another yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, because you got and also like not only are they interwoven with one another there's characters sharing the same bodies over the course of these same threads right so it can be very hard to follow but luckily I feel like they did a pretty damn good job of making it very clear like who is that in there yeah, what it, is the... it should have been a shit show. Not only could have, it should have been mm-hmm. a shit show 
as far as making any sense of what mm-hmm. was going on and be engaged with these characters. And it didn't at all. Yeah. It wasn't even difficult. And um, what was I going to say? Uh, the diversity of the casting, I think, is just uh, beyond applaudable. I think it was just wonderful. It's a show mm-hmm. of the future in many more ways than one. What are, what are your thoughts, Chris? Because I know Annie and I kind of vaguely spoke about it in a previous episode, but of the quote-unquote whitewashing of characters. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's whitewashing at all. Um, I think that that is a knee-jerk, moronic reaction. Um, I think it's actually more woke that they tried to place no consideration of race at all mm-hmm. in this. You know what I mean? Like, they're all everybody's switching bodies. This is the future. There's so many different ethnicities all just mingling. It's not a thing anymore. We've moved past that. Now it's about money solely mm-hmm. um, yeah. and the I Asian did. actor what's more comes back and you know has plenty of screen time uh, I don't know I did like how they they kind of showed that in the world where uh, specifically with um, oh gosh what's Vernon Vernon and his wife so his wife is she's put on ice because she got arrested for some hacking deal but like towards the end of the show she gets brought she gets spun up again but she's spun up in a male body yeah a white male and there's this scene where they kind of like wait that's you and as soon as the veil is lifted like no that's your wife just in another body there's like no oh you're a dude now yeah like, there's no weirdness instantly like yeah. <laughs> together and it, it was, reminded me of Sense8 mm-hmm. uh, a lot of this was Wachowski to me I told Andy I think I was like this is the the matrix of our decade mm-hmm. I feel like which is saying a lot I, yeah because you remember the, the matrix changed everything we thought about what could be done with uh, fight choreography with CG mm-hmm. Uh, with philosophical narratives. It was just uh, mind-blowing. It was like uh, the Blade Runner of the late 90s. And mm-hmm. I think that Altered Carbon is not getting the kind of praise that it should, but it, it, I think it's right up there with fucking Blade Runner and The Matrix. This, Ooh, I this, said it. That's crazy this shit. This movie is definitely, like, if you took the visual style of Blade Runner, the philosophical nature of The Matrix and the hyper-violence of Total Recall and, right. like, combine them into one movie... Or into one series. It's, I mean, it's it's beautiful. Isn't this based on a book? Uh, yeah. It, I mean, yep. it reeks of something that would start in a book. But yep, yep. it's a uh, trilogy. I think I um, would love to check that out. I started listening to the uh, first one on audiobook recently. Um, I can already tell that they took a lot of creative liberties from this sure. first material. Um, but it it is definitely written in a pulp noir style. Um, it's kind of one of those things where it's like very very early on. It's like which one's mine? The one with the big barrel, you know that kind of stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it is definitely <laughs> in, an intentionally CD book, and it's an intentionally CD movie. I or, loved or it. Series. I love and, it. I'm just a horny, yeah. violent bastard, and it's then, but also sensitive and philosophical. So <clears> right <throat> up my alley. Uh, any last like lingering things you want to applaud or nitpick? I just want to applaud Matt Beetle for playing the, mm. the yeah. three characters. He played just the random gangbanger guy. He he played the grandma, uh, abuela or whatever. <laughs> the, abuela, and the yeah. Latina and grandmother. <laughs> the Latina grandmother. Convincingly. And then, yes. <laughs> and then the Russian Demi the Twin. Fucking, yeah. And dude is spot on in all three roles. Like, yeah. That guy deserves a fucking Emmy. So like, for such a walk-on role, yeah. like he, they, they stretched. He they, crushed it. They stretched that his guy way out. Deserves Oscar. Yeah. Somehow, <laughs> make it happen, no, Steve. Apparently, you just I'm, gotta I'm, have I'm it. I'm on it. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I know you got a lot of weight in the academy. I do. Now I'm, that you shot that Macy's video. What's up? Hey, it's me, Steve from Macy's backstage. Steve from Macy's. <laughs> um, 
I have a weird question, something that didn't make sense to me. Um, the character of Lizzie, uh, when she finally gets a physical body through like the, the fuck toy at the end on the <laughs> yeah. space station, she like manifested her actual Lizzie form. It just mm. made no sense to me. Mm. Should have been like a consciousness stack thing in the fuck toys body. Mm-hmm. Did anyone how, well, who was following of, how she manifested her body? They kind of hinted at the ability of um, mani- manifesting a desired look with the uh, Fight Club guy when he's like, "This is the my new body." Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, I thought that you could change. And then remember, like he protrudes his forehead talking to her, like I can and stuff. And oh, right, it's basically, right. it's all fucked up. So they do hint at that technology existing, and I think that's supposed to be like a very literal self actualization of this. Uh, um, uh, abuse survivor you know right. what i mean so it's like given the option she chooses to be herself you know it's very uh-huh. uh, on the nose as far as uh the themes of it but they they do hint at the technology but they don't dive very deep into like the potential uh, for ramifications any, of that or anybody else that had that ability to uh turn into somebody else at the drop of a hat like and just be like okay no now i'm takeshi kovach you know what i mean like that that is something that they could potentially play with a lot more in uh season two but i get i got the impression from the uh fight club guy that all you could really do is sort of change your features a little bit but she's straight up like it, re- remakes herself yeah it could be like a something that's inherent with the technology of just a fuck toy like mm. you can make it whatever you want it to be yeah <laughs> as part of the selling play <laughs> she's like you want to be a ra- you want to fuck a raccoon she, hey look, it's a raccoon now <laughs> she comes back as a regular trash panda monster tits because yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there's a dude in there <laughs> andy's in there uh, <laughs> I also, okay, um, I thought that they dropped the ball on the reality of the envoy culture. Mm -hmm. I felt like for five or six episodes, I was led to believe it was this elite race of beings that could see through walls and had like Like masterful instincts. Come to find out, it's just a bunch of fucking dudes Mm -hmm. that this lady taught some things to. Mm -hmm. It doesn't explain at all why they would be these revered uh, cult of people. You yeah. know what I mean? They like I thought they were Jedi's, but they're not. They're yeah. just like religious extremists. I mean they have skills, <laughs> but you're never really they don't really really tell you why he can see through walls or right. what is the cultural significant importance of the trees. And I think that, that the Minecrafts had flown up into their didn't mansion. have time and they tried to show snippets of training and like elude mm-hmm. to a great deal of time uh, that would hint at their actual skills. But I don't think anybody reaches the acumen that Falconer is portrayed to have. Yeah. I mean, she beats the fuck out of multiple of her envoys effortlessly. Yeah. Um, and her ending was a bit shitty I as didn't, well. I didn't like that swerve where it's like, I've kept her alive. I'll tell you where she is. Is that going to be the second season? Is I imagine where he said she's still alive. And she, I'm yeah, he's, find her. For some reason, I his relationship like with her really worked for me, though. Like, I just... I don't know. I got sad. That was a lot of my cry moments were with him and Falconer or him mm. like sitting next to her in the beginning. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely it was sad. But like the very end um, at that point, by the end, I was like all in on the relationship of him with uh, Kristen because mm-hmm. um, she's a great actress and I thought they had great chemistry. Um, and towards, and then at just the end where it's like, oh, she's still alive. Why? 
Yeah. Why is she still alive? Yeah, what, the motivation. Why would of her you keep her from, yeah. thing? What? Why would you have that? But I don't know. for season two for t- duh. <laughs> Steve for yeah okay so Falconer's got some plot armor yes. um but that's fine I wanted to see more of her anyway okay favorite character that isn't Poe oh damn it damn it. <laughs> Go. I do want to talk about, I like the idea of um, how there's these hotels that are AI hotels where it's run by a singular hotel yeah. AI, mm-hmm. but people refuse to go to them because they find the attentiveness of the AI too creepy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi. <laughs> and so when he goes into this I abandoned but beautifully well-kept hotel, he's like, oh, I have a guest. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Edgar Allan Poe show where we do Edgar Allan Poe themed things. Sign this dotted line and I'll have the machine guns tear down your, <laughs> yeah. your foes. Oh my God. I love that so much like 20 seconds <laughs> that was so dope and then he pulls out that, that shotgun he's like don't move ne'er-do-well <laughs> so not Poe though because that's an obvious no fuck no you guys um, don't have anything I, I do I, it's 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 uh, Kristen Ortega I would okay that was yeah. mine that was yeah. mine She's, she is fucking gorgeous she is I'm just gonna be real she's like, very pretty stunning uh, phenomenal actress and I loved you know it's kind of common um the angry, you know, cop. Spitfire cop. Yeah, the Spitfire female cop. But it mm. didn't seem that way at all. It seemed very true to her character and uh, what she'd been through as a person. And I just really enjoyed every time she was on screen. Yeah. And even, anyway. Andy? Just for sake of changing it up, I'm going to say her partner. Um, I, I, I don't the beardy guy? Oh, the beardy the, guy. Yeah, the, the, was, he, was he Muslim? Uh, yes. yes. I thought that was awesome, too, that they had this kind of... Um, Back and forth between Samir. Yeah. Spanish and Arabic. Yeah. Uh, that was really neat. Um, I liked it when he, like, threatens... Samir. He threatens Kovach, and he's like, you think I can back that up? He's like, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you're like, no, you can't. He's, he's like he's, kind of a hard ass, you he's know? He's dating uh, Kristen's mother, right? I didn't get that. I, I just got that he comes around. Yeah, for he's like a family a friend. Well, there's yeah. like a scene where he like literally walks up behind her and like hugs her from behind. And oh, they're yeah. like, it's going to be OK. She'll be all right. She's a good kid. But there's like I got a very much like there is her couple. dad was still in the picture, though, because isn't he one of the people that gets murdered by uh, the. No, that's her. Guy? That's her uncle, uncle? I think. Yeah, because oh. those kids aren't those are like hit. Those, those kids are his. But that's like her. Actually, so I, that might be that her brother. That might murdered. be her. That's actually her brother. I'm sorry. Okay. That guy's her brother, and those are her nieces and nephews that get killed. Hmm. Well, anyway, either his, way, he was, he was a good actor. He was a good actor. Uh, he was. I, I, I liked his character. I, he was one of the only times where a character died in it where I, was I, I, say, I felt yeah. the stakes. You I think know his I mean? death was probably the worst for me. And the effects, uh, the visual effects, when they uh, have that little bit of blue spark come out yeah. when, they, when they get shot through the neck, it's like, oh, fuck. That is yeah. something they do well because they. you're right, um, because there's this culture of sleeves, so when people get killed, you're not necessarily like, oh, that looked like it hurt, but that'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you see, when they actually go the extra mile to show you them crushing the the mm-hmm. stack that for some reason that hits harder than the blood and violence of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of a physical body being erupted with bullets but seeing this like little circular disc being cracked you're like no <laughs> that's a person uh, <laughs> that's good stuff I thought uh, I just want to throw this out here before we close up on Ultra Carbon uh, we have a lot more to say about it than I thought after two weeks or whatever <laughs> um, that's great uh, the with Raylene's character, the naked sword fight where Ortega goes to take her out and she ends up fighting this onslaught of her naked clones. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Both hilarious and fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that the balls of that whole set piece and the idea behind it, I was very... Uh, 
intrigued. And then the horror movie ending of the child body that we now know as hers mm-hmm. being like, I'm scared. And then we're like, no, don't help that kid. Don't help that kid. Uh, I just thought it was awesome. Very, Do you realize cool. how much money you just cost me? <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments for sure. That whole little set piece. Watching that though, I'm sitting there like, why don't you wait a second? Like try to sneak up on her or something. <laughs> she just keeps jumping out and getting shot and killed like every two seconds. It's well, like, that, that the, just goes to my point. She's a uh, dumb person. Really <laughs> <laughs> arrogance, I think, of her. But when she is first revealed before she's a bad guy, uh, like the Michonne sword and cloak, oh, yeah. the that was awesome. Was yeah. It's like, oh, his sister's back. Holy shit. Cool. Or you didn't even know it was his sister yet. But yeah. um, but uh, I wanted to say earlier, uh, fuck, I didn't get to interject with uh, your discussion of her motivation. Uh, she is the weakest actress in that role, but I did buy it in the sense that they're a little too close as brother or sister, mm-hmm. but... They did a lot of groundwork into the emotional bond between those two. The, oh, the hugely abusive childhood and the promises that they've made. They and had the patchwork man story. Yeah. Um, I think that's where they have like a unique sibling bond that, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't quite be like, oh, okay. But I was like, I get where you're going. I'm going to file that under don't give a fuck because the rest is this cool. <laughs> and okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they put enough work there. And then they were like, look over here. There's a naked chick with a sword. And I was like, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> sword. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's Altered Carbon. I fucking loved it. Yeah. If you've gotten this far and you haven't seen it, you fucked up. Uh, but you should watch it. <laughs> you done fucked up? <laughs> you done fucked up. I'm excited for a rewatch of that. Knowing all of the twists to kind of see what other details and things that they planted. Because it's quite a lot of effort to keep up up until that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's move on to things we've been streaming right now. Boom. Here we are. We're there. Things we've been streaming. Andy. Hey what guys. You, what, what things have you been streaming? <laughs> um, not a whole lot of stuff. At least, uh, I haven't been streaming a whole lot of movies recently. I did just watch Thor Ragnarok finally. Uh, Boom. nice. It was awesome. It was, uh, it was really good. It was a lot of fun. Peace off, um, ghost. <laughs> I love that. Peace off, ghost. He kicks the wall. My favorite line of oh, last year. Was that your favorite I, I was, line? I was wondering what Peace it was. Peace off, ghost. <laughs> See, my favorite he, line. He's gone. Andy and I watched it like the same day, and I can't believe it took me this long to watch Thor Ragnarok, but it was so fucking good. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. It was one of the funniest movies of the year. And totally off tone for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I love that about it. Like, mm-hmm. Taika was like, fuck this. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put Thorn Spice. <laughs> you do a really good one. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I thought the line, I literally had to pause it. I was laughing so hard when he was like, my God, your hammer pulls you off. <laughs> yeah. I fucking lost it, dude. And I just, like, I couldn't believe they let him put his fucking voice in that oh, movie. It's so good. Good luck, new Doug. <laughs> That's what Doug said. Oh, this old Mickey's dead. I just, I stepped on him on the ship and I just felt better. Been canning around him ever since. <laughs> Been canning around him oh, since. Oh, you're alive. Oh, Mick's oh, alive. Oh, Mick's alive. What was your question, bro? <laughs> I tried to start a revolution, but I uh, only got the numbers from my mum and, and, and Kevin, her boyfriend. I really hate that guy. <laughs> the, and then uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum's great in that, too. My yeah, name, he's funny. My, I love, my, my favorite was the, uh, my name's Gordon. I'm made of rocks. No reason to be afraid unless you're made of scissors. Little <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors joke there. <laughs> so maybe He's scissors. the best. <laughs> Taika, the whole, I think watching the bonus features of Thor Ragnarok is equal to the pleasure of watching the film. I've got to see Either those. of you seen those? No. I watched them. 
so good to watch Taika and the way that he directs walking around on set. He's just wearing like extras costumes for no reason. He's like, all right, uh, we're going to move on to the next scene then. And somebody's like, you got to yell cut. And he's like, I thought I did in my head. He didn't even yell. You know, he's like this massive set and he is no different. And Kevin Feige, the producer, is talking about Taika. And it's so wonderful to have an indie director Mm. do one of these films because they know how to do everything. In an indie film, you have to do everything yourself so he can run the camera. You know what I mean? Like he's used to doing 10 jobs. So he's the perfect director for this massive Mm. set. Uh, and then he does act, acting and motion capture as well. And he's still wearing like the mocap suit <laughs> while he's directing. He's got this goofy ass makeup on. And I did see one clip of him and Kate uh, Blanchett in their mocap suits, like just dancing, dancing around, around together. Yeah. I love that he's able to take these like Oscar nominated phenomenal theater actors and just get them to be goofy. Like Anthony yeah. Hopkins and Kate Blanchett are just dying, laughing, hanging out with this like guy from New Zealand and. <laughs> I don't know, it was just really interesting. I fucking love Thor Ragnarok. I mm-hmm. wish I'd seen it last year. It, might, it probably would have been in my top ten. Dude, um, you, you said you died laughing at the uh, hammer. What's he, what's he say? God, your hammer pulls, pulls you off. You off. <laughs> <laughs> I died laughing, and I, I, I thought you, you told me there was a part that made you pause. You were laughing so hard. For me, it was uh, when Thor was um, t- telling the uh, Valkyrie that he was going to uh, escape and go and uh, fight uh, Hela. He's like, I, no, I run towards my problems because that's what a hero. And then he throws the ball thing against the glass. It's like, that's what a hero. And he just gets fucking knocked the fuck out. Stands back up. That's what a hero does. And jumps through the glass. And then he's a badass. I fucking died laughing. And Tessa that, Thompson dude. is the Valkyrie. So that was a character I didn't see coming. I yeah, loved. That was, that was really cool. The drunk ass mm-hmm. warrior woman. Everyone was great in that movie. Yeah. That's a fantastic movie. You're such a good guy, too. Everybody did a good job. Everybody Everybody did great. I really liked Mark Ruffalo. He had this, like, weird, like, I'm so far out of my element that I'm just acting crazy kind of thing. Like, no, I need a disguise, too. Here, he's like, you are disguising. I'll be Tony Stark. And he puts on sunglasses. (laughs) Why are you being weird? I don't know why I'm being weird. (laughs) I think they were hinting, not a hint, it was pretty overt later, that he had been the Hulk for three years yeah. and mm-hmm. trapped inside it that he had kind of lost his mind a little mm-hmm. bit, but it was just fun. since it was a comedy and he had a smaller role. I just was like, Oh, he's Bruce being crazy. I don't know. You've been wondering who I am. You're about to see. And he jumps down. Yeah, just and lands fucking <laughs> dies. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. That was actually a little gross. Uh, for me. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> his face looked all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> And Jeff Goldblum, I love that part where he, he's got that dude strapped to the chair and he's like, please pardon me. He's like, I pardon you. From to, life. From life. And then like <laughs> melts him and he's like, oh, it's everywhere. It's on oh, my feet. Oh, God. The <laughs> like, oh, the smell. <laughs> Crazy ass movie. Great movie. I loved it. Wonderful. Um, highly recommend the special. And what else have you been streaming? Uh, that's it as far as movies. I've been reading a lot. I read uh, 1984, uh, which was awesome. Um, mm. That dude Charles uh, Dickens. was super uh, prescient. Uh, with these <laughs> uh, with uh, these um, future technologies that do predicted FaceTime in like the for- late 40s and that's insane um, I, I've never seen the movie so it was actually kind of neat to, like I it's one of those uh, culturally ubiquitous things that I just somehow never really knew what it was ulti- I knew like the themes but I never knew like the plot and so mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun to get to I'll read that. I'm going to watch the movie uh, with John Hurt here soon. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. 1984. They should have called it 2017. Am I right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, that was great. I've uh, recently just started reading um, S by J.J. Uh, Abrams and Doug Dorst. I started it once uh, years ago, and I never got very far into it. It's this really interesting it's too book. too much work, man. It is a Fuck difficult read. Uh, have you heard about this, Steve? No. Um, okay. Nor have I seen it. So it's this, and well, it's, Sorry, it's not, it's, you stream it into your brain via your eyes in the book. Um, it, but so it's this book that, uh, it is a fictitious, uh, library book by an enigmatic author. Now this, it, it so it's written by J.J. Abrams and Doug Doris, but when you take the book out of its sleeve, it says like the ship of the- uh, Theseus by, uh, V.M. Straka. And so hmm. from there on out, it's this library book from this high school uh, from this book that was published in like the uh, 40s or something and you open right. it and there's a book uh, you know all the way through uh, the ship of Theseus but the real Completely story separate narrative yeah huh. but the real story is in the margins um, where these two people um, the, this guy and girl have been passing the book back and forth and writing notes to each other about oh, like wow. the mystery of this guy and there's like this whole uh, conspiracy that they're trying to unravel. And, and they interpret the text itself and they ins- there's like notes there's, inserted into pages to pull out and read. Yeah, it's there's like so newspaper clippings <laughs> and postcards and there's a map drawn on a napkin and all of this is just stuck in the pages. And there's huh. like a decoder at the end of it. And so at some point, like that's going to make sense and I don't know when, but <laughs> there's a decoder that at some point you get out and you'll know where you need to decode and it's like this whole big conspiracy in this book. And I was reading on Line, like so what's the best way to read this like because it's confusing like there's uh, and the, all these notes between these two people like their handwriting is distinct so you know who's who and but the then, color of the ink but then there's different colored ink so you know that it's been time has passed in between the times that this book has been passed back and forth between them and so um i was reading online trying to find out the best way to read it people basically say there is no best way to read it just you know try to take in as much just, as you can just do it so what i'm doing uh in reading it is i'm going to read just the book first off like the ship of theseus i'm ignoring the margin notes i'm ignoring all the inserts i'm reading the book and then i'm going to go through and read all the margins and see how they relate to because i'm assuming that thematically what happens in the fictitious novel is also going to reflect what these characters who also read the book are going through and it's a really 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 neat concept if not kind of uh a hassle to read that definitely is fascinating like it's a motherfucker that sounds like a really good motherfucker though (laughs) (laughs) it's a good motherfucker i don't know why i got all i don't know Sam Jackson reading S. <laughs> this motherfucking book. <laughs> Go the fuck to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's all I've been streaming. Steve, what have you been streaming? Um, well, oh, Steve. I'm going to throw out a couple films, but I'm not going to talk about them much. And I'm going to talk about the final thing mm. that I mentioned, just because I don't mm. know if we're going to... We might cover the, the first two that I mentioned. First one is um, Cloverfield, the mm. new Cloverfield movie that mm. is on Netflix. The Paradox. Paradox, yeah. yeah. Uh, watch that. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Um, I was just holes a mile wide, but it's an yes, all right movie. yes. There was like definitely some interesting concepts in there, but they're they go nowhere mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was good to see. Uh, is it Andy McDowd? Uh, the British guy or Scottish, was he, Irish? Irish? Irish guy? Irish I know, guy. I know who you're talking about. And then wow, um, guys, <laughs> he's and, human. And then uh, <laughs> what's what's the other actor? Uh, Matt something Brule. He's the German guy. Uh, he was also Nathaniel Brule. Nathaniel Brule, yeah. <laughs> Those are always good guys to see. Um, also, saw um, Annihilation, 
with Natalie Portman. Uh, I'm so jealous. I'm actually, uh, if we can wrap this shit up, I'm going to go see it tonight. Uh, very good. I hope you see it with a crowd that is much more deserving of the film than I did. Oh, did you get one oh, of those no. fucking popcorn loving ass bitch ass crowds? Well, I went to, I went to, yeah, <laughs> I went to the Marymont Theater, which, yeah. you know, it has a reputation old around people. town to be like old people, but it shows mostly artsy films sure. and, you know, not your stereotypical, you know, movie theater films. Um, and so usually it's a safe place to go for you know, right. films like this. But I don't know what it was about this movie, but there was a cu- there's a couple of women behind us who clearly had no idea what they got into. There's like, oh, Natalie Portman's in this. She's yeah. a sweetheart. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, this movie is violent. Oh, oh God. It's a little cerebral for me. Um, there was a guy directly to my... It was a group of... These are fucking adults, like mid-40s adults that came in drunk. And the one dude was like, not, he thought the movie, you could tell he thought the movie was dumb because literally a move, like the, a character could look to the left side of the screen and the guy would be like, oh, there they go again, <laughs> looking left. Like nonstop making those noises. And it was so fucking annoying. On the other side of me was a person who was doing the exact same thing, but for the complete opposite reason. They were so engaged and so engrossed in the film that they were like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) she blinked. (laughs) (laughs) So it was this carcophony. (gasps) And ooh. time. So hopefully you see it with a That's, better crowd than I, I would did. just rather see it alone. That's what I'm hoping for at this point. Yeah, um, it's shit. definitely a, a... Did you Were you a fan of Ex Machina, right? Oh, I, love, I love Ex God, Machina. What do you think about, okay, better, worse? I, uh, I, I like, I see out of all of his, because he did Arrival too. No, that was Denis Villeneuve. No. Oh, okay. Well, I like... He did X- write Sunshine and he wrote okay, 28 Sunshine. Days Later. And X-Men, I think. Okay, so Ex Machina is my favorite film still. Because this Annihilation, yeah, okay. Annihilation is a very macabre film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very, very like down. Like literally, Dark. one of the characters is just like sh- like a walking case of depression. The whole mm. movie, like nothing matters. I don't care. Fuck it. Let's go into that giant bubble thing. Let's do it. So my inner monologue. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but it's 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 a good film. It, it's it's uh, it surprises you in good ways. There's a scene towards the end, the climax. I would, I would call it the climax of the film is fucking beautiful mm. and amazing with what it does, but I won't spoil it for you. But I, what I do want to talk about is I did watch the show mind hunters on Netflix. Sweet. Yeah. Have Wonderful. you guys seen this? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Finally got around to watching it. Like we, I watched the first episode of it months ago with my wife and she's like, this is great. You want to watch it together? I'm like, yeah, babe, let's do it. <laughs> and then she never wanted to watch it with me. So this week I'm like, fuck it. I'm watching it. <laughs> Keep your Downton Abbey. <laughs> I'm doing man stuff. Oh, she's trying to get me to watch Outlander now, but I'm refusing to. But anyway, uh, Mindhunter is great. Like visually, it's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. The performances are really great. I like the idea of how they have the the ADT guy. They show him in the very beginning mm-hmm. of each scene of yeah. each episode, and then they never go back to him. He's only the beginning yeah, yeah. of each episode for maybe like thirty seconds, if that. And then they end the series with him like, oh, that guy is up to some shady shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That mustache motherfucker did look creepy. <laughs> we knew it. We I knew, knew it. it. And, and the casting is dead on. If you look at pictures of that killer and the guy yeah, that they cast for him, um, it's really, really cool. I, what was the one guy? Yeah, the guy who played Kemper, Cameron Britton. Kemper's the really big, tall guy who's like, oh my God, yeah, he's that like, dude was so good. Being a serial killer is just, you know, yeah. regular day. I mean, you can just come in and you just kill some people and it's kind of great. Yeah. I don't know. My mom, <laughs> my mom humiliated me. You so ever, I, uh, I hated I my humiliated mother. humiliated her. You ever fuck a Reese cup? <laughs> <laughs> that guy was creepy as fuck, but like he was so good at playing like 
yeah, he did have that friendly side to yeah. him. Like you can understand why people would like talking to him. You haven't but been then answering he can my letters. twist it that same emotional beat like mm-hmm. on a dime to make it sinister in an instant. And that's why like he was great. Um and then the main cast as well. Um I'm looking up their names now. Jonathan Groff. Yeah, dude. As Holden was fantastic. He's, in the, uh, he's a musical guy. He's like in the original cast for Hamilton. It's fucking crazy. Oh, is he the king mm-hmm. in Hamilton? Yep, yep, yep. Fuck, he's great in this. <laughs> I know. It was cool. And he was in Glee and like, yeah, he, he's a musical theater guy. And We were huge into that show a few months ago, whenever it came out. I mean, Mindhunters, yeah, It took the world yeah. by storm. I had some major issues with the female characters that I don't recall now. Um, that Wendy? They, it it is almost like superfluously uh, feminist occasionally. It's like, hey guys, everything was the female's idea like the entire way through. Oh, like I could see the the, strings or something. Yeah. I I don't remember enough to talk about it, but I Um, had some issues. Yeah. um, And it was like a sex negative show, I felt like at times, if I recall. Anyway. A little bit. um, Well,. I, I, my biggest concern with it was the editing, that it was basically a show that did not know where to begin or end an episode. Correct. It did not. And it, it, so periodically it's like, oh, wait, that was the end of the, oh, okay. Um, but, Luckily it's Netflix and it's not really the end. Right, right. Yeah. But I, I, I really enjoyed it visually. I'm it's, glad it's you Fincher, finally right? grabbed your fucking yeah, balls and <laughs> watched it, Steve. I'm no longer watching <laughs> Downton Abbey, damn it. I'm a man. I'm going to watch mine. Well, you're going to watch it on the little TV. Well, <laughs> Good. Actually, it's funny. I was, I would put it on and I would give it my full attention, but I'm also kind of folding clothes just because, you know, I got to condense my time. But Sam is at work while I'm doing this and she would come home. And I remember I paused it when she came home and you're doing the, you know, hey, honey, how was your day? How was yeah. work? Blah, blah, blah. And she comes in and she's like, oh, you know, work was great. And she sees the TV and she stares at <laughs> I'm like, I'm at episode seven. She's like, why the fuck are you watching this? I thought we were going to watch it together. I'm like, honey, that was like six months ago. I want to watch it. And she's like, oh, I see how it is. <laughs> I did your laundry. Yeah. <laughs> nice one, Steve. Yep. So that's, uh, what about you, mean, you, man? I've been streaming uh, Thor Ragnarok. We talked about, I watched uh, Mute, the new Duncan Jones film on I Netflix. That yet. I've how actually, that? I'd never watched Source Code. So I never good. saw Warcraft. I yeah. never fucking saw Moon. Yeah, I'm not phenomenal. have to see Moon. I Moon know. is phenomenal. I know. I saw Mute instead. It's fucking you- awful. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact about Duncan Jones. Did you know that he's David Bowie's kid? Is he really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, really? No. <laughs> I don't fucking know I, shit about I was saying this, that dude. as a joke because literally it seems like every time Duncan Jones yeah. is brought up, people are like, David jo- jo- uh, David Bowie's prodigy, Duncan Jones. And I'm like, <laughs> no. yeah, we get it. We know. No. <laughs> Mutes, dog shit. Yeah. Uh, really interesting. It's worth watching because it, I almost said paying the money because it's free if you have Netflix. Because it's, you know, <laughs> uh, it's not hard at all to watch it. Uh, Paul Rudd's performance is unlike anything you will ever see before or again, probably, from Paul Rudd. In a good way? Yes. Because I love Paul Rudd. I mean, Paul Rudd, constantly cursing, giant Bowie knife, uh, handlebar mustache, Mm. alcoholism. I love these things. Paul Rudd. (laughs) Weird. Have you guys, sorry, a quick sidebar. Have you seen the meme of uh, Black Panther, but it's Paul Rudd and it says Sex Panther? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. No. That's awesome. Is that Sex Panther you're wearing? (laughs) Uh, Justin Theroux is... There's one of the scars guards in it. I don't know. One of the scars guards. You know what I mean? There's yeah. a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, uh, Stellan, I think. It's Stellan. It's worth watching, but it sucks because it's supposed to be Duncan Jones' passion film, his first script from 15 years ago that he finally got to make. 
which is what they said about fucking Book of Henry and ruined that guy's career. Ooh. Took his Star Wars movie away from him. Yeah. And now we got Duncan Jones coming out with this and it's everybody's accusing it of being a Blade Runner knockoff and it just it doesn't it's not it's not a movie. I almost started watching that the other day. Blade Runner? Mute. Oh, I almost watched I mean, it. I'd like you to watch it because you're saw not Paul Rudd gonna was on like it. it. I love Paul Rudd. You're not gonna like it. He's a modern day Jack London. It just has no heart. There's no moral. Wait till you see. The Justin Theroux's character takes a weird fucking turn that I respected until the way that they treated him. Um, it's just bizarre and dark for no reason at times. And you know that I appreciate some darkness. So if I'm mm. saying that, it's just a slog. Mm. Uh, anywho. Um, and then I also saw Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman uh, movie. If you recall, I really wanted to see mm-hmm. last year. Um, it's fucking awesome. I really liked it. Uh, a, a wonderful portrait of a, a polyamorous couple or I guess triple. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to see the origins of the Wonder Woman comic. Uh, it's a really good movie. Uh, it's very good. Uh, I, I cried. Uh, And then hopefully I'll see Annihilation tonight. And did you know, I promised my wife I would see it with her. And I always regret doing that because I either have to go with Andy and lie about what I saw (laughs) or just not see it until it comes out on VOD because her and I don't have time to hang out ever. But she was like, let's go see Red Sparrow together because she knows how much I am obsessed with Jennifer Lawrence. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, now it comes out tonight and I cannot go see that. Because she's can't come. Uh, but I've been super stoked. I'll probably be horribly disappointed, but I've been yeah. super stoked for Red Sparrow for six months. Like, the trailer embarrassingly awesome. stoked. Um, anywho, I don't know if you guys have seen that trailer at all or if you're interested. I was with you when we saw that trailer. Oh, yeah. At Black Panther, yeah. Yeah, Black Panther. Are you Sparrow? No. <laughs> no. no. Uh, that's what Are I've been we streaming. Should be friends now. <laughs> we don't really have time to talk a whole lot about the Oscars now, I guess. But yeah, I mean, we're at an hour ten. Sunday night. It's uh, a couple days away as we're recording this. It'll probably drop before Sunday. Let's um, do some quick predictions. Uh, best picture. I don't oh, know. Fuck. Uh, you got me on the spotlight. Shit. Okay. Best picture nominees are. Thank you. Call me by your name. No. Darkest hour. No. Dunkirk. No. Get out. No. Maybe. Lady Bird. No. Phantom Thread. No. Maybe. The Post. Maybe. The Shape of Water. Maybe. Yes. Three Billboards. Yes. Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Mm, Which has... The Shape of Water or Three Billboards is yeah. the, the I agree. Honors. I agree. Yeah, they, um, they could have a... They could, it could be Get Out. I could see it them. Could, I, I could that see would be a shocker, but yeah. In a post-Oscar So White world, I could see that happening. I'm going to call right now Shape of Water. Even though odds on favorite right now is three billboards, bizarrely enough. Three billboards. I loved three billboards. My, my I did love three billboards. Would be my vote and is my guess that is going to win. I'm going to go with uh, three billboards. Okay. All right. We'll see who fucking wins that one. Because Shape of Water won the Golden Gloves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's not winning the Oscar. <laughs> Wait, no, I think Isn't that, that how it goes. No, no, Golden I, Gloves I, has no bearing on anything. I think really. Golden it's Globes, like twelve dudes. There's just very little carryover. Whatever wins Best Picture, right. yeah. Um, I, I I feel like Three Billboards won Best Picture at the Golden Globes, though. I know that Guillermo del oh, Toro won Best Director. I could have swore it was Shape of Water. You might be right. Um, Probably not, but you we might could be. look this up with our phone. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm already here. If only we had little uh, portable computers. Well, let's okay, do uh, best actor, best actor in a leading role. Nominees are Timothy Chalamet, Daniel Day Lewis, Daniel Kaluuya, Gary Oldman, Denzel Washington. And what? 
DDL. Roman J. Israel oh. Esquire. Gotcha. DDL. Uh, I agree with Daniel Day Lewis's supposed last film. It's probably going to be him. I don't know though. He already has three Oscars, so it's not like they got to give him one to, right. to, to to applaud his career. I keep hearing that it is, but doesn't much Gary a, Oldman a shoe need in, one? A shoe in for Gary Oldman mm-hmm. that it's Oscar bait kind of really? movie, mm-hmm. and that he hasn't won one. Sometimes they just give him one, like for their career. And I think it's Oldman's mm-hmm. time. Um, okay, he does deserve one. Oldman's great actor in a supporting role: uh, Willem Dafoe, Woody Harrelson, Richard Jenkins. Christopher Plummer, which is crazy. He's got an Oscar nomination for the movie in which he replaced Kevin Spacey. (laughs) Uh, Sam Rockwell is the leading favorite. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. But Jenkins is. I want to give it to Jenkins. Jenkins That's what I want. Yeah. Um, But if it's any. For Shape of Water. He got nominated for an Oscar. No shit. I didn't know that. That's a that's a tough category. Meaning that there's a lot of competition. I hear a lot of people say Willem Dafoe was amazing in uh, Florida Project. He is. He is. He's great. Watching that as you came over. Uh, actress in a leading role, Francis McDormand. You don't even need to read yeah. it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Sally Hawkins. No. Not even speaking a line. It was great, but yeah, no. she's wonderful. She sang a song, but she didn't speak a line. But that was I, uh, that was awesome. I, uh, Francis McDormand was phenomenal, but I don't, I don't think it was all that. And, and I mean, it's all that, but it ain't the chips. It ain't the chips. It ain't the fucking <laughs> chips. The chips. Francis McDormand acted uh, outraged. And indignant, as Francis one snazzy and snarky. That, but then also extremely. She's always like at, that. At surprising moments. I sure. thought it was a beautiful. I get. I know what you're saying. And I just. Has she won. You shit on Sally Hawkins, oh, yeah. and I just okay. got defensive. Uh, I think I she mean, won for Fargo. Oh, uh, okay, okay. I mean, but I mean, it has to be either of those two. If it's anyone else, no. Uh, yeah, I didn't see the post yet, or I Tanya, but I heard Margot Robbie's uh, great. Yeah, I heard that She too. is great. I wouldn't give her a best actress for that, though. <laughs> yeah. Meryl Streep never gets any love for anything, oh, so I'm really hoping She's she pulls it off for the post. Underrated actress of all time. We're <laughs> <Yeah>. being sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, There's a point in my life where, like, I hated Meryl Streep. Okay, here about, how about this one? <laughs> best director. Ooh. Christopher Nolan, Jordan Peele, Greta Gerwig, Paul Thomas Anderson, Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo. Guillermo, but I Guillermo. would like... Um, no, Andy. I would like Christopher Nolan to win, but Guillermo del Toro is going to. I would not. <laughs> uh, does anybody have a dog in the fight for best animated feature? Nope. Surprisingly, nope. no. Usually that's a strong category for me, but not this year. Um, okay. Best adapted screenplay. Call Me By Your Name is in the lead. Disaster artist Logan Molly's Game Mudbound. I would like I to see fucking Logan. Just be neat, just for yeah. I like to see Logan. Just be neat. That's all. Uh, Best original screenplay. Ooh, The Big Sick. Get Mm, Out. Good. Lady Bird. Good. Three small films. That's awesome. Shape of Water. Good. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Mm. Three billboards for me. For Um, writing, I almost want to see Get Out. Yeah. I think it was just a fucking tight ass movie. That's just bounce a quarter off that movie. That's a tough. That's a tough competition too, because all those movies are really good. Yeah. I would probably go with Three Billboards just because that's the guy that people like jizz themselves over, that writer. Martin McDonough is a yeah. phenomenal writer. Uh, so. For show. For show. Uh, production design. Mm, I'd have to give it. Ooh. It's going Shape of Water. I mean. Yeah. Okay. Is uh, that one of the ones that uh, Blade Runners? Yes. Yeah. That's what. I, but, but then I would definitely mm. give cinematography to uh, Deacons from yeah. Blade Runner. Yeah. Okay, For we're all in agreement sure. there. 
All right. Blade Runner needs something. Apparently this is like the first year ever that a woman has been uh, nominated yeah, for Best for Cinematography. Mud, That's insane. She was the cinematographer for Black Panther too, wasn't she? I, did I not do know not know that. that. I think she's the same one. Ryan Coogler for Sex Panther? Sex Panther. <laughs> Ooh, editing. What do you think, Steve? Baby Driver. Uh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yeah. I, Tanya. Shape of Water. Three billboards. I think it's definitely between Baby Driver and Dunkirk, with Dunkirk being the obvious lead. Um, I think Dunkirk will win, but if it was me, I'd I would like give it to, to Baby Driver. Thank you. Because I, because I, again, I, I, I express this in our best of thing, where like I appreciated the ambitiousness of Dunkirk's editing, but I, it didn't work for me. Right. Mm. So okay. What are you looking up there? I forget. I'm looking up the cinematographer for Mudbound. Oh, that's right. No, no, no. I mean, I'm ready to end it. So I was just like, wait, I want to end it while Steve's fucking... IMDb. Oh, go for it. Go for it. Now, this is more for me. Oh, okay. This is for my the, own pleasure. The, the listener can figure it out on their own damn time. Yeah. You Google it. That's all we got. Uh, we'll probably do a little bit of post-Oscar coverage in addition to our Westworld rewatch. So please tune in for that. Again, if you have any feedback whatsoever, email streamingthingspod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, oh, I do want to read this. Please rate and review our podcast. We oh, just got a new review very recently. Did you guys read it? Rachel Morrison was the cinematographer. Oh, nice. Rachel Morrison. Good. She also was there, the cinematographer Steve. for Black Panther. Took you way too <laughs> she long. Was? Yeah. Nice. She also did uh, Dope. Remember that movie Dope? Dope. I do. I actually, I really dope liked dope. dope. And Fruitvale Station. Yep. Michael B. Jordan's debut, right? Yep. Boom. Boom. I know, I know Boom. shit. So we got a new review on iTunes that I was... Uh, very pleased with on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, great conversationalist. Five stars from Melbourne underscore B seven seven. This is my favorite podcast. These oh guys gosh. break down content in a fun and intelligent way. They ask the questions and bring up the topics that I want to bring up with my friends about the content. Keep up the great work, guys. I tell everyone I can about your podcast. Thank you so much, Melbourne underscore B seven seven. We appreciate that. Can I call you B seven seven? For short, or just seven, seven. So be, be like, man. be like that person. Uh, be like B. Write one of those. Thank you so much. <laughs> Do that, and you can also find more of my bullshit on Twitter at C Michael Rudd, uh, Andy uh, at Inkwell Verbal, and Steve. Uh, Steve May 13 yeah. Steve May 13 You can also find some of my works on SteveMayFilms.com SteveMayFilms.com Go check that out But also keep uh, ears out for another podcast I will be on shortly You need Which to do a new we don't one, care dude. about. Just kidding, we support Steve <laughs> It's a wrestling podcast So if you like wrestling Then it's, yeah That's okay You don't have to be ashamed of that anymore, Steve <laughs> 2018 dude, Your new Twitter handle You gotta make this At Mr. Windy City himself Ooh. Ooh. Oh And then people will be really confused Why I went to Cincinnati I <laughs> <laughs> won't know where you actually live uh, if you want to subscribe like with money to our podcast, you can do that on idgaff.com or just read some outdated articles and leftist propaganda that I write. Uh, <laughs> you get them Soros bucks yet? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, can't wait to see you guys in the West world. My name is Chris. My name is Andy. And I'm Steve. And we are all handsome men. Eh, I'm a two. I'd fuck me. <laughs> Would you fuck me? <laughs> I'd fuck me hard. Are we going out on a... Creepy buffalo horses. Matt Beetle doesn't even look like the fucking the bald guy. He's just a shit. That is him. He's yep, a chameleon. Look at that. Look at that. That guy.
That fucking guy gets an Emmy from uh, streaming things. Okay, That's, the streamy. That gets the streamies. <laughs> oh, we could do like a the recap at the end of the year called the streamies. The streamies. Yeah, it's I better like it. than the thingies. The golden streamies. <laughs> giving you a thingy. Golden streamies. <laughs> That's definitely what it's going to be called. Uh, I'm writing that down. <laughs> That's going to kill.